Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, we're talking a a series called Who Are You? And our uh, lead scripture is 1 Peter 1.18. So let's turn to that. First Peter 1.18, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He paid a high price for us. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you, Father, that you saved us. You saved us. You healed us. You redeemed us. We just thank you, Father God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Our eyes are open and our ears are open that we see and we hear. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we looked at... uh, looked at the fact that money couldn't buy mankind, only the blood of Jesus, could outweigh the sins of the world. Something Dale said yesterday kind of stuck with me. He, he mentioned that sometimes when we're reading scripture, we, we say, well, Paul said, or Peter, or John, or Matthew, but really it's the words of God coming through those people. And so, this is God saying to us that we were redeemed by his precious blood. That makes it somehow more more special, um, knowing that God sees us and feels that way about us. I want you to uh, close your eyes for a moment, or you don't have to, I guess. Use your imagination. That's really what I'm, what I'm after. And... And see a safe. Now, I don't care if this is one that's in the bank and you walk by it and you see that big door with all the bolts hold, hanging out and, you know, the big big door. Or this is a, a safe that maybe is in someone's house that might hold guns or other things like that. And I want you to imagine that you're putting things in the safe. Okay? What, what have you put in the safe? Oh, wait, somebody wants more time. They're not finished putting their gold bars in the safe yet. (laughs) So what would we put in a safe? We'd put in gold, silver, maybe some coin collection, stamp collection, uh, important papers, things like that. Maybe it's a gun safe and you want to keep them away from uh, small people that might be in the house. But we put precious things and lock them up. God takes precious things and puts them in us. And it's not for the purpose of being locked up. It's for the purpose of being shown. He wants to show us off. So God puts precious things into people. You're a limited reproduction. I mentioned this yesterday or last week. You're a one of one. And I got to thinking about it. Are are we really a, a reproduction? And... Yeah, we are. We're made in the image of God, one at a time. 
There's not a, a one of us that's identical. I've had people come to me and say, oh, we were in Ohio or Michigan or something, and we saw somebody, we thought it was you. And I thought, dear Lord, I hope not. <laughs> There's another person running around looking like me. But even if he was close enough to be my twin, there would be differences in our likes, our dislikes, our makeup, our, our attitude. We're individuals, one at a time. So we're a limited, limited reproduction. And God made us in his image. Pastor last Sunday mentioned that when you take precious things and you buy something, it makes that thing become precious. And that's what the, what the blood of Christ did. It reminded me of when I was in Ethiopia. And you've got to remember that most of the population makes about $2 a day. That's, that's their, what they make. And I had a, a man in the church wanted to take me out for coffee. Cost him 50 cents. You know, to us, that's, that's nothing. But to him, you know, that, that's a quarter of his wages for the day. And I was very honored to go to coffee with him. And we sat and we talked and had a, a really enjoyable time. But it was humbling that somebody would want to do that. Christ wanted to redeem you with his precious blood. We should be more, more humbled at that and more um, respectful of what he's done. Let's go over to Mark chapter 12. We're still talking about precious things. Okay, Mark 12, 41. He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude was putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting large, large sums, were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all those contributions into the treasury. For they all put in out of their supply, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. She gave everything. That money was precious to her, and yet she was willing to, to give, it, give it in and put it in. Uh, one translation said it was two mites, which is probably the, the, a mite is uh, among one of the smallest amounts of money. So in our um, currency, it would be a penny. That's the smallest coin that's printed. She gave it all to God. Jesus said that he looked on the attitude and the heart of the giver. When we, when we consider something precious, he looks at it. Uh, what, what is it that we consider precious? What, what, and our, looks at our heart. Those two mites were precious for her. She gave out of need. She gave all. You know, a lot of people struggle with thinking um, of their self-worth. And we, we looked in, at that last week. We looked at that. We put a lot of uh, stake in our identity and, and who we are and, and what we do. But we don't set the price. 
you ever put anything on Craigslist that you wanted to sell, you put in an asking price, but that necessarily didn't mean that's what it sold for, if it sold. I've had several things that somebody emails you back and they offer you half of what you got it listed for, you know. So you don't set the price. So it's not up to you to think how valuable you are. You've probably seen the opposite. I was talking to my uh, son-in-law, and he was watching an auction, and there was a couple of things on the auction that were going for higher than new. They were used items, but they were going for a higher price. Ever gotten caught up in a bidding war where you, you know, are bidding on stuff that um, it just seems like it's almost a competition, and it becomes like the value of the item isn't respected anymore or considered so much because you could buy a new one for this. It's now you want to beat this other person. So that sometimes happens. Sometimes we don't think we're, we don't put the right worth on things. Uh, one of my instructors at Rama. now you got to, at Rama when we went, I don't know how it is now, but a lot of the instructors would travel on the weekends and go out to churches and preach. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, to help supplement their income. And the other reason is to help some of the Rama startup churches get going. Um, and they couldn't really necessarily bring in, you know, a, a well-known speaker. But having somebody come in from Rama would attract people into their church and, and help them. And this one teacher was talking that they went out to a restaurant to eat. Uh, I think it was after one of the Saturday services at the church he was visiting. And uh, somebody drove up in a McLaren, and he said, you could hear that this was an exotic sports car, just the way the engine sounded. And uh, a lot of the people in the restaurant went out and looked in the parking lot and examined it and walked around it. And somebody came back in and said it was a, a million point one car. And uh, one of the ladies at the table where this teacher was said, well, that's not worth it. I'd never give that for it. And he said, well, you're wrong. It is worth it, and you're right. You would, you know, if if you, if you don't value it at a million one, that's your that's your opinion. But you're wrong in saying that it's not worth it. It was a limited edition McLaren, and that means that there was somebody somewhere with a million one that didn't get one. They didn't, you know. I mean, we we may not think of, you know, if I had a million dollars, I could buy anything I wanted. Well, not necessarily. Some of these cars they make 25 of, 50 of. And that's it. They shut it off. And if you don't, um, if you're not in the right circumstances, you may not have one in your garage. You may be okay with that, but uh, the buyer sets the price. Um, so when you go to look at yourself and you're looking at your self-worth, it's, it's not how you see yourself. It's how God sees you. How does he see you? He sees you as a spirit being that's eternal that's valuable. So redeemed means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. To buy, to get, win back, to recover ownership of. And I shared with you, you know, some of my early years, my life. I grew up in Milwaukee. I was a city kid. Uh, getting on a bus and riding downtown and transferring to another bus to the school was and this is public transportation, was no big thing in second and third grade. I'm not sure it was wisdom, but <laughs> we certainly wouldn't do it today. Um, but I got used to that. It was just something I did. And then when we moved to Colorado 
uh, I became or wanted to become an outdoor boy and went hiking and, and fishing and learned skiing and, and we shared with some of that. So you put your identity in things, but a lot of times that identity can change. Your circumstances can change. Maybe, um, you know, you, you were the, the best person at a particular job, but uh, that job came and went. It's not who makes you. That's not your identity. If you, could, if you put your identity in anything that changes, then that's the wrong place to put your identity. Your identity is on eternal things. It's important because the Bible says in Proverbs 23.7 that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the, the, the meaning of that verse is how you see yourself is important. Because if you see yourself incorrectly, then you'll act incorrectly. Uh, I don't know if Heidi brought it up in the humility course that she was teaching on, but I've heard the saying that being humble is believing of yourself nothing less than God says and nothing more than God says. Believing what God says is true humility. Because we can get caught up, it's really, it's pride, when you say, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I can't do that, you're really looking, who's, who's the subject there? I. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then on the other side, we put our you know, thumbs under our lapel, and, and we, uh, oh, I'm, I'm really something. I can do this, I can do that. Uh, I can, I can. Well, what's the common denominator in both of those? It's I, I. And we're, we're looking at our ourselves instead of looking at what God says about us and what God does in us. So identity is how we see ourselves. It makes a big difference in how you see yourself. It's hard to go to someone that you think is upset with you and spend time with them because you're always thinking, hey, they're, you know, they're really they're angry at me and, and they don't want to be with me and they don't want me around and, and they're not enjoying it and and that's the devil's number one goal is to get you thinking about that and feeling that way about Jesus. If you don't want to spend time with them, you probably won't. And if he can't stop you from getting saved, and he can't, then he'll try and separate your relationship and try and get you to stop spending time with, with Christ. And we talked about me getting a, a new uh, or buying a car and trying to do everything I could to make it go fast. I received a little bit of bad news that right after service. Uh, pastor informed me I can no longer drive his car. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's because I said I lost my license for two years or, <laughs> or if it was because I said that I started taking parts off of the car that I didn't know what they did and <laughs> in hopes to shedding weight. So I don't know which one it is, but... but uh, but he didn't say I couldn't drive it any less either. So, so anyhow. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I met my, uh, my future wife, and we started dating in high school and got married, and children started coming. And now, if you look in the natural, that all can become part of your identity, but you're still an eternal being. You're just going through different things in this natural. If your identity is based on anything that you can lose, Muscle mass, good looks, hair. Uh, if it's anything physically that you can lose, then you're, it's the wrong thing. 
And if it's in the natural, in a job, in a car, in a, in a truck, in your ability, it can change and you can lose it and it's the wrong thing again. So see yourself the right way. See yourself as God sees you. Your, your worth and, and value are quite high. In fact, there's never been a higher price paid for anything in the universe. Time changes. People say, I can't do that anymore. Things that I used to do. We talked about uh, Junior Seau, a famous football player, that his life was in, a, in being a linebacker. He had a family. He had kids. But he saw himself as a linebacker. And when he couldn't be a linebacker anymore, he decided it wasn't worth living. And that was a, a false place to put your identity. Do you know who you are when you can't and you aren't able to do the things that you used to be able to? And then we talked about that, that the devil starts out early trying to destroy your self-worth. Uh, a lot of young people go through, especially young ladies, go through a thing where they don't feel they're beautiful enough, they're not attractive enough, they don't look like the, the models on the cover of you know, the latest magazine. Um, you know, somebody said one time there's, there's 11 supermodels and then there's the rest of us, you know. So <laughs> and those, even those 11 supermodels, I wouldn't doubt, have some, some airbrushing going on when, when it goes to the magazine front, you know. So don't get, in fact, I heard one time that there's an athletic group, Gap Ladies, that uh, they're, it's a fitness competition and they challenged the the, the beauty models to a competition. They didn't get any takers, you know. Um, so anyhow, so sometimes things are not what they seem. So don't put your identity in natural things. But we're called to build each other up. And the world works really hard to tear, to tear us down, to, to, help, to help us think less than we do of ourselves. In fact, if you start feeling sorry for yourself and start hitting yourself over the head with a hammer, the devil will supply you a larger hammer. And after you get done swinging that one, if you, you want to, he'll give you a bigger one yet. You know, you're not worthy of anything by the time you're done because he, he doesn't want you to really see who you are and, and how you are. So we talked about sometimes there is uh, going to be something said negative about you. Uh, look and see if there's any truth in it. And if there is, repent, change. And if not, ignore it. Uh, go on. We talked about you don't have the right to stay mad at someone. Don't stay mad. It says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Words matter what you call someone. Life and death are in, in the power of our tongue. A word can hurt or build up. So I mentioned uh, last, last week that God is so interested in the intricate details of your life. He wants to be involved in everything that you do, uh, that he knows the number of hairs on your head. And how many people really want to know how many hairs are on your body? Oh, there's a half a hand somewhere. Um, but <laughs> it's, I didn't know the exact number. I had forgotten. It's 5 million hair follicles on the average human body. Ladies, you'll be glad to know that men have 200 to 300,000 more. So you have less. Um, but he is so interested in you, in your detail, in your life, that he takes the time to keep up with what's going on in, in, in your body. You're highly desirable, a spirit being. 
So we talked about changes come and changes go. Uh, you may change, have changes go in your life, but who are you? If your identity is in Christ, you will never change. Because Christ cannot change. And let's look over at Galatians 2.20. I've lost Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm sorry, Galatians 2, yeah, 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and delivered me up, and, I'm sorry, and delivered himself up for me. I have been crucified. You know, we, uh, we sometimes don't see ourselves as, as Christ living out, but as, as we put our identity in Christ and we see that identity of what he is and what he's done and we start accepting that for ourselves, then we know that we can walk on this life and this natural things. It says that, that we... Uh, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of God. You know, God doesn't expect us to become monks. Uh, we have a natural life that we go through. Uh, in the early church, there was a movement of uh, priests that decided to be spiritual. And the only way to be spiritual was to climb up on these really tall trees and live up there and read scripture. Well, they only made it one generation. They didn't have families. They didn't pass on their beliefs to anyone. It, their natural life was living in a tree and, and being a, a monk and a hermit, basically. So God knows that we have a regular life with jobs, with duties, with things that go on. With a, but he doesn't want us to become so consumed in those things and seeing ourselves in our job and what we do that we forget that, to have a relationship with him. Our relationship on, with him is based on the fact that we are saved. You know, Jim talked about it on that first night when he was here, Jim Hockaday. If you didn't see it, uh, it's on the internet. You can, you can go to Faith Family Church and, and rewatch it. Um, but he basically said that Jesus took away the sin problem so that we don't have to have, to have that barrier in between us and God. Uh, it made me start to think... Um, what would God have to have done for us to um, teach ourselves a lesson or to suffer uh, for our wrongdoing? What would he have had to do? Absolutely nothing. We had already done that to ourselves. We were um, guilty of high treason against uh, a kingdom. If you look at the word treason, it means to rise up against uh, someone that you owe allegiance to. It could be that you betray your country. It could be that you, uh, but, you know, there's, uh, 
industrial treason where you maybe betray your company, you re reveal trade secrets, things like that. And so that's kind of what the treason means. Well, we were, we were born into uh, a sin nature. We were born into a line that had, tr had committed high treason, and we were guilty by being in the human race of that. So God could have just, if he didn't want to do anything, he just could have let, let us go. Start over with a different race, start over a different planet, whatever. Um, made me think of a, of a saying from Mr. Spock. The, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. God happened to agree. He saw that we couldn't do anything for ourselves. We see it in the covenant that he cut with Abraham, that he, uh, he put Abraham to sleep, basically, because he said, don't mess this up, we'll take care of it. And he put him to he <laughs> he put him to sleep, and, and a lot of scholars believe that that God the Father and, and Jesus Christ were the two that walked in between the the, saw, the cut uh, sacrificial animals, and they made a covenant with themselves on behalf of man because they knew if they let man have anything to do with it, he would mess it up. So God didn't have to do anything, but He decided to. But God who is rich in mercy, while we were still in our sins, died for us. You know, it's, it's sometimes when you, you think of your self-worth, you, you're more in tune with your natural uh, shortcomings than you are with your spiritual. And I think that was one of the messages that Jim was trying to get across is that we need to, to look and spend time in the Spirit and see ourselves as spiritual beings and praying in the, in the Holy Ghost will help you with that. And, and realizing that there's more to life than just this physical body. More to life than getting up and going to work, eating breakfast, going to work, coming home, having dinner, going to sleep, doing it over again. There's more. Man was made for more than that. Man was made to, to have a relationship with, with uh, God. If you look in the, the Garden of Eden, uh, God came down to fellowship with Adam and Eve and spent, says, the Bible says that he walked in the cool of the evening and spent time with them and uh, enjoyed their fellowship and they enjoyed his until the fall. <clears throat> but God, who's rich in mercy, decided that he was going to take care of the sin problem and help us and be it so that anyone who wants to can receive his son. And it's not based on education or athletic ability or, or good looks or lack of. Uh, the gospel is straightforward for the simple person. You don't have to be simple to accept it, but it's not out of reach for the simple person. Uh, pastors talked a couple times about the fishermen. Uh, the, most of the disciples were either fishermen or uh, you know, carpenters, something to do with just everyday life in, in Israel. Um, the Bible is written on a 5th to 6th grade level so it's not complicated, it's not hard to understand that if you realize that God sacrificed himself that we could, that we could live and become um, his, his children let's look at uh, Colossians 3 3 
for your identity has died. Okay, it doesn't say that. It says, for you have died, and your life is hidden in, hidden with Christ in God. But really, that could be applied. Your identity, whatever it was in the world, whatever, whoever you thought you were, whatever you thought, you know, you were. Most of the time, we identify with things that we're strong in. But not necessarily. There's some people that, that like to identify in, in, how, in what they can't do. But whether it's a, a failure or a success, that identity has been taken away and, and, and killed. And we have the opportunity, and it is an opportunity. It's, it's something that we have to, have to do, put on the identity that is in Christ. Because the world won't help you do it. And I think most of you here been going to church long enough, you realize that um, the world and everything in it is going an opposite direction. And in order to keep afloat, <laughs> if you will, you have to feed yourself. And sometimes it's on things that you already know, but you have to re-put them in and continually remind yourself of who you are in Christ. The little book that uh, Dad Hagen wrote, In Him, is a, is a good resource to just to read through every once in a while and remind yourself that in him you have your, your breath, in him you have your being, in him you live and, and move. Your life is hidden in, in Christ, or with, with Christ in God, concealed and safe, justified, secure, and safe in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man has become born again, he has a new identity. And that identity is in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, You are in Christ Jesus. Our spirits are all of this. Let's look at that, 1 Corinthians. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. You who, be, you who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In verse 31, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you want to be uh, excited about something, be excited about what Christ has done for you, for mankind. We have right standing with God, we're sanctified, and we're redeemed. The price has been paid. Galatians 3.26, we'll go over there real quick. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We're no longer a fallen race. We've been redeemed. We are the sons of God. And not in the future, not in when we get to heaven, but now. We, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm endeavoring to do is, is learn what that means and, and how that walks out so that other people can see the love of God in us and in me. 
In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Not in the future, now. <clears throat> not when we get to heaven, but now. Not when we feel like it, because, you know, our feelings are very, um, a very unreliable thing to go to. I shared a couple times that, you know, we had a... Uh, a spiritual meeting here I think it was on a Sunday night or a refresh meeting and I went home on a spiritual high and you know everything was good there's more money in the in the checking account than there were bills and and everything was good and I was just feeling really good uh, woke up in the morning and I felt eh nothing had changed no checks had gone through the bank that had changed anything I it's just feelings are not a reliable way to uh, look at yourself you know, you need to be speaking the word of God over yourself and using that to identify. If the Bible says that he paid, he paid for you in blood and that was enough and God accepted it, then don't go by your feelings that, you know, oh, I'm not doing so good today. I, I thought that one thing and then I got angry and you know, I said something I shouldn't have. And, you know, okay, Father, forgive me. Go on. Um, don't allow that to make uh, you feel that you're less than who you are. We see ourselves a lot because we see our body a lot. It's the easiest part of our three-part being to see. Uh, I know I have a mind. I can work out math problems and what whatnot and think, but it's hard to see that. I know I have a spirit, um, but it's easy to get caught up in just what we can see and touch and feel in our, in our senses. And this brings me to a spot. I never want to correct the, our founding uh, father over here, uh, but maybe an additional enlightenment would be the, the way to say it in, instead of correction. Uh, so Dr. Spock is, <laughs> it, it was a psychologist that wrote kids' books in the and not necessarily ones you want to follow. That's up to you. He deviated from scripture, but um, that's Dr. Spock. Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock from the Star Trek era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, if you follow the storyline, he actually has emotions. His parents were half Vulcan and half human. So he has emotions, but he's allowed his logic or trained himself that his logic overrides his emotions. God gave us emotions for a reason. He doesn't want us to be emotionless uh, people, but he doesn't want us to be ruled by our emotions. We shouldn't be ruled. We should be ruled by our spirit. We should be ruled by the word of God and not by what we feel, taste, touch, think. So, so who are you? So why did God do this? Why did he decide to, to take human beings and, and redeem them? And I mean, I understand he made them to have fellowship with, but why did he, after they messed that up, why did he want, want them back? Let's go over to 1 Peter 2.9. Now, some of your Bibles are going to say 
but you are a chosen generation. But more accurate would be you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, God's plan never changed. We are not a generation as we think a generation. We think a generation as a time span, the Z generation or the X generation, or you have a picture taken with five generations, uh, you know, of grandma, great-grandma, mom, daughter. You have these generations. That's not the meaning that of in this verse. In this book, he's talking that a separate type of being that had never existed before. A God-man. A God-man. A, a spirit being with, the, with God in it. And, you know, the Bible says that we're a temple of the Holy Ghost. So what was God wanting to do? Well, this, this verse kind of gives us a really good look into this. He wanted a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his own possession, that you, that I, may proclaim his excellencies of him that has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what we, he wanted from Israel. You ever wondered why uh, God chose the, the promised land where he did? I mean, it was in the middle of three trade routes uh, that were going across uh, from Africa uh, up into, into Europe. And so the spice route, went, spices went through there, all kinds of trade went through there. His original goal, I believe, was that Israel would follow him and love him and be his people and be so blessed that when these foreigners traveled through their land and went back home, they talked about these people that worshiped this God, Yahweh, and that how blessed they were and how, how good that God was to them. That was his goal, and he wanted to spread and get the other nations to be jealous of Israel and come in and want and desire him. Well, guess what? Israel failed. But they refused this offer, Exodus 19, 5 and 6, if you want to look it up. In Exodus 20, 18, they basically said, Moses, we're afraid of this fire coming down the mountain and the thunder and the awesomeness of God. We're afraid to get close. We may get killed. You go. We'll send you. You go up and talk to him. Find out what God wants and what he wants us to do. And whatever he wants us to do, we'll do it. Well, they didn't. In fact, while Moses was up there finding out what God wanted them to do, they were deciding that maybe Moses had gotten killed by this awesome power and thunder and lightning and all these things going on. And, and they decided, well, maybe we should make an, an idol like the idols that we worshipped in Egypt. And let's, uh, let's make a calf. So they decided to make a golden calf and worship it. And you know the story. You know, Moses came down and... and uh, Hit him over the head with the Ten Commandments and broke the stones. No. <laughs> but anyhow, they rejected God as a, they did not want to individually be kings and priests before God. They wanted someone else to do that. Well, God is, is I don't want to say gone back to his original plan, but he has that for us. He wants us to step into that. He wants us to be kings 
and priests and have the glory of God manifesting in our life and have such a real relationship with him that our prayers are answered and that people see uh, physically uh, that we are walking blessed and that there is healing in the, in, the, in the church and that we can be a light in a time of darkness. In fact, we're called to, to glorify the, the, to, we're called to glorify God before this world. In Matthew 5:16, it says, "Let your light shine before others. We keep trying to shine inside the church. God wants us to go out into the world and shine, and we keep trying to figure out how we can get more miracles in the church. Why can't we see legs grow out or arms? You know, why don't we see thing, more things? Well, God wants us healed also. He wants to bless us, but more, maybe not more, but equally as important, he wants us to take this out to other people who are hurting, who don't know his love, who don't understand that they're redeemed. They look at themselves just like we used to, and they, they say, well, I'm not worthy. I'm, you know, nobody loves me. I'm not good for anything. They don't realize that God has died for them, and it's all been paid for. Who are you? We're doing, like I said, we're pretty much doing the same thing. We're not sure that we want to become kings and priests under God because of the anointing and the awesomeness. <clears throat> Joyce Myers said something. Um, she was kind of, I guess, complaining to God is the way I would say it. But she was, you know, God was telling her to cut this out of her life and not to spend time doing that. And, and she said, but God, I know other Christians that are doing this, and other people are enjoying that. And he said, yeah, but those other people didn't ask me for a world, worldwide ministry. See, Joyce had, all, had been praying to God to be separated, to be used, and to be in a place where she could help other people. And now God's trying to bring it about in her life, and she's like, well, why can't I go shopping for the day or whatever, whatever the things were? And sometimes we're that way. We don't want to give up uh, all the things that we are encumbered with. Uh, I shared not that long ago that God asked me what my hobbies were. And this was like seven, eight years ago. And okay, there's fishing and hunting, and, and I like power tools and woodworking and, and you know, football. And, and I just had this whole list of stuff. And, and, and well, where do I fit in? Uh, too busy. Too busy, so I got rid of football. My wife says I'm not as uh, irritated. <laughs> Being an ex-Bronco fan, you might be able to understand that. <laughs> so, but we can we can get our we can get ourselves so wrapped up in good things that are not you know immoral or anything like that. We just spend so much time on these things that we don't spend time with God like like we should and you know God wants us to have things that we like and that we do but he doesn't want them to become our life God's not a genie in the bottle that we can rub and you know pops out well, my three wishes are this and you know or I need that God wants a relationship with us so this week as you're going through your day Remember to play that tune in your in your head, the uh, the who. 
think uh, somebody told me the, the theme song for CSI Miami. So if you haven't heard it, you can bring that up on YouTube or something and ask yourself, who, who are you? What are you doing? Are you aware today that you're a spirit? Are you doing things that will increase your spiritual life and, and awareness? And God's not against um, good teaching and good um, books that help us understand how he is, but he's also interested in us understanding a relationship with him. Just a simple, hey, this is what I'm going to go, what I got to do right now. Help me, show me. Um, God is interested in the little things. He's interested in helping you find the second garage door opener that you put somewhere for safekeeping and you didn't remember where you put it. He's interested in doing that. And it may not just show up, you know, magically on the kitchen table, but he'll work with you and help you remember, ah, I put it right where I, the last place I looked, that's where it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anybody that keeps looking after they found it, well, we'll have to pray for them. <laughs> but God is wanting us to step up especially in this time, and we're, we're out of time, speaking of. But God wants us to step up and to, to take a simple gospel of love and redemption to the world that's hurting and wondering what life is all about. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.